Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly Shonen Jump manga podcast. My name is Jeremy, your host. And I'm Kevin, also your host. I almost got it, Kevin. That was so close. Speaking of hosts, after Shonen Jump, we read Orin High School Host Club this week. Yeah, that was not what I was expecting. Well, we'll get to that in a while. But first, we have Shonen Jump issue 351, so why don't we just jump right into it? All right. It's got a Food Wars cover that I literally don't remember, which is a great start. I know it's a Food Wars cover because I read it down in my notes. Yeah, it's Soma with some like ingredients, and I think Todoroki's there. I almost never pay attention to the covers. I think it's like a, a block of like, I do not care about the cover art for whatever reason. I mean, digital comics, that makes sense, especially when you're subscribed and you're going to get it no matter what. Yeah. All right, so that, of course, means the first story in here is Food Wars Chapter 287, Convenience Store Brawl. I don't know that I have a lot to say about this chapter. It's a chapter of Food Wars, so it's pretty decent. Uh, It's picking up from where the last one went off. They have this convenience store challenge where using just ingredients from a convenience store, they may have to make a $100 dish. Soma finds a whole bunch of ingredients. He's like, oh, these are all really good. And he puts them together. But when he gives them to the judge, she says it's worth negative $14. Because he just found good ingredients. He didn't use his skills to improve it. And if he had sold it at his restaurant, he wouldn't charge $100 for it. Which he admits, which was pretty funny. So she makes him pay $14 for wasting the ingredients because they cost $14. Yep. And then complains that they're in yen. But he's like, well, I guess it's Japan, so I have to accept this. Yeah, I did definitely like that she does actually just yell out the price value of uh, the I meal. I mean, of course she was going to, yeah. but yes. Well, it's also pretty cool that she like, yeah, you will pay me $14 because your meal was worth negative $14, which was pretty great. So then Sukasa, is his name Sukasa? Or did I just write that? Because that's apparently my generic Japanese name now. No, I think his name is Sukasa. Okay, comes up, the former president, and gives her a dish, and it's so good it nakeds her, which is a thing I knew happened in Food Wars, but I haven't seen yet. Yeah, it hasn't so happened in a while. Yeah, but caught me kind of by surprise. Yes, when the tastes are so good, they blow the clothes off of whoever's eating them. Obviously, not literally, except in the cases when it is literally, but you haven't seen those. No, I haven't. And she's like, ah, $587. And then the rest of the chapter is basically Sukasa just talking about how good a chef he is and all the stuff he did to make his ingredients super awesome. Yeah, she does also actually pay him $587. Like, he gets paid the amount of money that his dish was worth, which is pretty cool. I wonder if that will come up later, if it, they're going to have to spend money. Possible. I also like, at the end of the chapter, Yukihira starts setting up that he's going to whip out yet another one of his restaurant secret dishes for the second attempt. Which is at, apparently worth well over $100, which is the cliffhanger it leaves us on. Yeah. So is that a common trope? Secret yeah. menu items? Yeah. One of the first dishes he makes is a secret menu item. The one he impresses Irina. Arena? The dean? Yeah, the, yes. the now dean. He impresses her with one of the Yukihira secret menu, like, number one. And I think he's literally just been going down the list. Does he, every time, yell, secret menu item, chicken and waffles, like it's a Naruto technique? Sort of. He's like, and here's the Yukihira secret menu item, number two, like, egg surprise, or whatever the name of the dish is. Gotcha. So, speaking of surprise, that's a terrible transition, but I'll go with it. That brings us to One Piece chapter 924. Huh? Question mark. Which is a chapter title that sounds like there might be some surprises, but really there aren't. Uh, There are some reveals. Yeah, and there's like a... There's a setup for a surprise that we don't get shown, which is a little annoying. I appreciate a good setup every once in a while. Yeah. So, Goofy has been knocked out. Trafficker goes to save him, but gets hit by a nail made out of sea stone by uh, Basil Hawkins. Yep. And if you don't know, Seastone is basically kryptonite in this setting, and you can't use your powers if you are touching it. Yep. And we also find out that Wano is the country that, like, made Seastone first. Are they the people that found it or created it? Whatever the... He says something of, like, these... The Wano kingdom is the country of the first craftsmen of Seastone, and so he has the nail made out of Seastone. They're the only ones who are able to make something so small. Yeah. So Kaido's like, ah, Luffy's kind of a badass, so let's throw him in prison, and then when we break him, he'll be a cool minion. Yeah. 
Although he does get annoyed that Luffy has Conqueror's Hockey, because even while unconscious, Luffy manages to knock out a bunch of the goons sent to go take him to prison. Yeah, and he's like, God damn it, why are all these guys with Conqueror's Hockey showing up in my cool CLF country? Now I'm not drunk anymore, I need to go drinking. Yeah. Back in my day, only main characters like me had Conqueror's Hockey. What's up with all these upstart young kids and they're, oh, I have Conqueror's Hockey too. Ugh. Yep. Which is a cool bit of foreshadowing for the way the chapter ends. Uh, we also find out that the Straw Hats are all fine, like we expected. Yeah, the ninja used her ripe-ripe powers to create a sinkhole, I guess. So they all fell in, and yes. were fine when well, the yeah. castle above them exploded. I get creating the sinkhole saved them. I'm more like, how did she ripen the ground into a sinkhole that just seems... Maybe she adds moisture to stuff. That would make it... Well, like, right, she, she mentions that her power is turning anything to its more mature form, which yeah. somebody says makes it get old and gross. It threw me off of, like, why would that make a sinkhole? Oh, I, maybe it's always destined to be a sinkhole. I don't know. I guess. Maybe Wano is like Mexico. <laughs> it's, it's Japan, but it's also Mexico. Yep. If we did episode titles, I would want that to be it. So Luffy gets... Oh, actually, before this, uh, we also see the girl who I thought might be dead, whose name I can't remember. Momotaro? Something like that. She gets picked up by Dogstorm, so she's fine. Yep. She's just, Well, she's very beat up, but she's not dead. Yeah, I kind of assumed that she wasn't going to be dead, mainly because this is One Piece and it doesn't tend to kill off characters like that. Especially not off screen. Yeah, especially not off screen. Well, actually it tends to kill, kill its characters off screen a lot. But just off screen. Yeah. Usually we see someone reacting to their death when they die. Yeah, not, oh yeah, that chick, she died like six panels ago. You just didn't see it. Yeah. So Luffy gets dragged to prison. We see there's a like hole where they throw in a boneless fish every day. And they're like, make sure it's boneless. And some guard's like, ah, oh, we don't need to take out the bones for prisoners. And he gets slapped with bones. So that's clearly setting something up. I kind of yep. wondered if that was supposed to be some character we've seen before. It might be, but it's probably not. I kind of doubt it because of the reveal at the end of this chapter. Yeah, I'm guessing it's... Uh... I'm guessing it's going to be somebody who's going... It's either the king or... Or the guy, the cool guy that everybody loved, whose name I can't remember. Yeah. I guess Shogun. There are no kings o Odin? In Wasn't it? Cause I his... believe it was. Yeah, because they're at his castle. Yeah, yeah, so Odin. It's possibly him, or it's also possibly somebody that's going to help train Luffy. Yeah. Because uh, it's a poisonous fish that he's been feeding every day, and he doesn't just get slapped with the fish. It, like, embeds itself in his <laughs> neck, like, almost killing him. So Luffy gets thrown in a regular cell, and his cellmate is Captain Kid. Yep. He's kind of cool. If you're not big up on One Piece, Captain Kid, Luffy, and Trafficker Law were all supposed to be, like, equals at the top of the current generation of pirates. And Kid's the only one who hasn't really done anything. He'll show up for a panel to be like, I'm still in this story over here. And yeah. that's pretty much it. He's done a lot more off-screen, I guess, of, like, he was part of this big alliance that was going to go take down Kaido. Clearly that has failed. Yeah. Because it was him, the music guy that I can't remember his name, and there was there was someone was else. Was it from, Hawkins? It might have been Hawkins from the new generation that were planning on taking down Kaido. Or maybe it was Drake, the dinosaur dude. Oh yeah, Drake hates Kaido. Yeah. So that could be. Yeah. All right, so it's a pretty good chapter of One Piece. It's a cool reveal at the yeah. end. It's pretty transitionary. Obviously the Straw Hats are fine, so that reveal isn't great, but it is necessary to move the story along. Yeah, I'm, there was no way that they were going to kill off the Straw Hats like that. Yeah, and I do like that they seem to be setting up Law versus Hawkins as a fight to come later down in this storyline. Yeah, that'll be pretty cool. Because Law didn't, well, I guess Law wasn't in the last arc, so it's pretty hard for him to do anything. But yeah. Zoro needs a cool opponent now. Then I'll be happy. If Law and Zoro get good fights in this arc, I'll be happy. I'm sure Zoro's going to fight one of Kaido's like top swordsmen. Yeah, but we haven't been introduced to anyone who seems likely yet. Yeah, not yet. All right, so that brings us to the comic volume five, which again feels like it's about to wrap up. But I say that every issue and mean it as a compliment. So yeah, this one it does feel like it's actually starting to wrap up though. Yeah, because it ends with a like Sherlock Holmes slash Detective Conan, ah, time for me to reveal the clues, Inspector. Yep, sort of turn. So Sakamaki is still running from the police. He realizes that he's being tracked by his phone, so he turns it off. His sister realizes he's being tracked by his phone. It's like, how are they still managing to follow us? Wait, my editor gave me this phone, and he turns it off, which wouldn't disable the tracking at all. No, but that's fine. This is the future. 
Yeah, so even pulling out the battery wouldn't disable the tracking van. You'd literally have to ditch the phone. Yes. If you're a good pickpocket, you give it to someone else. Yeah, reverse then. reverse pickpocket that, and then just let them chase that guy. Pull yeah. uh, what most chase scenes involving a tracking <laughs> device do. Yes. But it would make you feel clever. Yeah. Uh, so they look at the manga and after they get to the murder scene because he one of the backgrounds is a murder is the murder scene, and they realize that like there's an X to mark the spot under one of the benches, and apparently for three years there's this photo that's been here of Himikawa, the manga asshole, and the murder victim together, that says what does it say on it? Pumpkin Club. Yes. On it. Um. So his sister goes to Himikawa's live stream and just uh, types in the comments, hey, what's up with Pumpkin Club? Himikawa freaks out and cancels the stream, and then some giant face screams yeah, from at behind him. him. Yeah. How does somebody know about Pumpkin Club? Yeah, and my note is, Himikawa has a mysterious demon master? Question <laughs> mark. Yeah, that was like, there's random face out of nowhere. Has this guy just been watching his stream the whole time? Uh, he's he's the Queen Metallia, the double queen. He's the double manga creator there you of go. this arc. Um, so then the cops show up to arrest him, but Himikawa's there, and he has his, like I said at the start, Detective Conan-esque, ha, ah, I'm going to reveal all the clues and prove he's the murderer. Yep. Part. Which, again, makes it seem like it's going for an end, unless the double queen needs to be taken down after Himikawa is found guilty. Totally we'll possible. We'll see. But I liked it. Like, I like pretty much every volume of the comic. I'm kind of ready for it to be over in one or two chapters, but again, it just feels like it's getting to that point. Yeah. It's not like uh, one of the later stories in here where I'm just ready for it to be over. Yeah, I know what you mean. Also, speaking of ready for it to be over, next we have World Trigger, Chapter 167. Finally, Uh, something happens. Susanari 1, Part 2. Stuff does happen, but I still found myself really bored with this. Yeah, there was actually not that much happening. There's like, people are shooting at one another, but they have these shield things, so it's like, he's pinned him down. Okay. We find out that the snipers have an ability called Bagworm, which hides them from radar, and that's pretty cool. They've mentioned Bagworm before, but they didn't mention what it was. So clearly it's something we are supposed to know about beforehand. I definitely like the bit where the two snipers using Bagworm run into one another, and even the announcers didn't realize it was going to happen. They're like, what? They ran into one another. And she's like, sorry, I was distracted. Oh, yeah. So there's a bunch of firefight stuff. I think the real problem is we're following every character in this fight. Like, we're supposed to care about them. Yeah. We're, what, 160 chapters in? We probably are supposed to care about a lot of them. So it's just weird jumping back into it. I still haven't caught up on World Trigger because there's 160 chapters. That's going to take a while. I suppose part of the point of a tournament arc is to get fights between characters you're supposed to care about, like to see Goku and Krillin fight. Yep. But because we're just three chapters into it in this restart, I really just need a character to be the one that I want to see succeed. Yeah. And And it's it's not not even giving me that. It's not even the main character. Like we haven't seen him do anything. He's like, hey, you, go over there. And, like, that's all he did. There's their new member, but he hasn't really done much either. So. Yeah. it's They're setting up, at the end of this chapter, they had shown that, oh, now he's going to reveal his new technique or his new strategy or his powers, which is like, that's cool and all, but I don't know even who any of these people are. So the reveal just lost a bit of impact for me. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to another story I don't think either of us liked much. Dr. Stone, Z equals 82. Epilogue of Stone Wars, parenthesis, end of part two. Yeah, I was really hoping this was ending, and it doesn't look like it is. Um, At least part three is probably the final part. Hopefully. I mean, I don't hate the premise of Stone Wars, so if they establish the third part as something interesting, I might be able to get back into it. It did not seem like it was that interesting at all. Okay, well, we'll see. We'll Um, see, but... Basically, this is just a Denouement chapter, which you kind of need at the end of a big story like this. Yeah. Uh, they capture Jin and decide to keep him alive because scientists don't care about trials Actually, and punishment. I think they mention his name in this, and I don't they think do, it's They do, and I didn't write it down because okay. I'm a bad person. You're right. I noticed that. If you want to look it up while I I will look it up because we have we have been wrong the whole time. So Good. Uh, but Tsukasa's still dying from the spear wound he got. And basically, they are starting to rebuild society, and Senku comes up and says, hey, I'm not going to let you die. We're going to petrify you on purpose, and then when technology is strong enough that we can save you from your wounds, then we'll unfreeze you and 
save you. So basically, the premise of the next part is going to be trying to figure out why everyone got petrified and how they can use that for themselves. Yes. So his name is Hyoga, H-Y-O-G-A. Hyoga, I think. That sounds right to me. But yeah, the, oh, we're going to figure out the mystery of this weird flash, and I'm hoping it's not something stupid. Yeah. But I feel like it's going to be something stupid, like, oh, it was just this one weird event, or it's going to be like, oh, it was like an alien attack. You know, something something silly like that. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Dr. Stone has fallen pretty far for me since we started reading it. It still has those art problems where any individual panel is great, but they don't really tell a story. Yeah. When you throw them together, in my opinion. Yeah. So hopefully the third part picks up and, like, has some exciting stuff to it. But I don't really know who an antagonist would be, so. Yeah, unless the antagonist is, like, nature. Or, like I said, it's going to turn out to be, like, aliens or something silly like that. Or Hyoga escapes because they don't kill him, but that's more of the same. Yeah. He was part of the villains for a while, but it's like, I've been the main villain for but Three since chapters. he became the main villain, I've is when I've lost my interest in the story. Yeah, so. and that well, and that's what I mean. It's like I've been the main villain for three chapters. Now I'm defeated. Oh, okay. So next we have Hunter Hunter chapter three hundred eighty eight reflection. So Sari Denchi, who is the prince who's been warning Nen, has finally gotten to the like important characters you should know about section at the front. Yeah. So my first note is literally, I bet he's not going to show up for a couple chapters now. Probably because it seems like whenever Hunter Hunter's like, this is a guy you need to know about. They disappear from the plot. Yeah, I feel like the this is you guy you need to know about is not being done by the manga author. Probably not. It's probably being done by the editor. And they're just not communicating for whatever reason of like, these are the people you need to know about. And it's like, you literally could have just had one conversation. Yeah, he's not in the next chapter. He probably shouldn't put that in there. I think it's also only updated every couple of weeks. Like Black Clover also seems bad with this, but at least it's better. Yeah. Like, usually it's one character who's not going to show up for a while, but then they do. Yeah. It's weird that Asta is in there, but also he is the main character, so I get it. Yeah. Even though he still has not shown up since we started reading Shonen Jump for this podcast. Yeah. Well, that's like Hunter x Hunter. uh, Yeah, Gon Gon hasn't shown up, but he's also not in the characters you need to know about, because he's not going to be in this arc, I presume. He's... He's hinted at that he might show up right at the end of the arc, or it's like Karapika's arc might end, and then Gon will start, and you'll we'll find out that they will have been kind of concurrently going for a little bit. That makes sense. They've done that before, but Hunter x Hunter actually will shift between Gon and Karapika of like, they'll have an entire arc where Gon is just not in it. Yeah. So this is a Karapika-focused chapter. Do we know what Karapika's net abilities do as yeah. the audience? We know most of them. So it's like the one guy guessed each of his like rings on his fingers corresponds to a different ability. We've learned he's got the weird dolphin ability. I don't remember if that was when you started reading or not. It's so I'm shaking my head. Okay. So he has the ability to borrow someone like essentially steal someone else's Nen powers. Although which is important to this chapter. Yeah. But it's borrowing them. Like he can't like forcibly steal it. He like borrows them and then can like use it at will. But he is mainly a conjurer, even though they mentioned that he's a specialist. He does most of his stuff with conjuring. That's his rings that manifest different powers. His specialist ability is that when his eyes are red, he can become anything. So like they mentioned way early on that there are the six paths. There's the enhancer, the conjurer, the, it's not expeller. Evoker? Um, Evoker. That's it. Or it's something similar to that. The manipulator. Maybe there's only five. And then the specialist. Anyway, when his eyes are red, which is a backstory thing about him, he is, fully adept in all of the different disciplines. And they mentioned that they kind of like counteract with one another. Like if you're good at manipulation, you're not going to be good at enhancement. Okay. And that kind of stuff versus his specialist ability is this makes him adept at using all types of Nen. The problem is it shortens his life force when he uses it. That was a big deal. I think right before you started reading that he's been using his specialist ability a lot. And he's like, I'm like literally taking years off of my life yeah. in these like couple of weeks that I'm sitting here doing stuff. Gotcha. All right. So this chapter is basically a lot of exposition and a lot of guys trying to figure out what Karapika's abilities do. 
Yes. I really like the first half of the chapter, which is just Karapika explaining what his plan is yep. and some other people trying to figure it out. Yeah. We find out he has devised a method to greatly increase people's Nen growth. Yeah, and it's because of, I think his name is Ben? Bill. Bill. He's got an ability that is very weird from a male perspective of, like, he can enhance other people as, like, a support thing. He uh, increases things' growth. So, like, it gets demonstrated, like, he makes a plant grow from a seed. Yeah. And so they're, like, Karapika's borrowing that and making people grow really quickly in their Nen ability. Yeah, but he mentions it's a very weird choice because you kind of have a bit of a choice on how your Nen manifests. Like, not much, but you kind of you get to pick how your special ability manifests just a little bit. It's more centered around yourself, but like Karapika determines he's going to use chains. That's going to be his conjuring thing. Yeah. That's his deal. So he mentions that Bill is very odd in his choice of, he's like, I'm assuming somebody who was going into combat wouldn't pick a Nen ability like this, or somebody with a Nen ability like this wouldn't go as a bodyguard. But I do thank you for essentially giving away your Nen ability, that's a huge deal in Hunter x Hunter when people know exactly how your ability works. Yeah, because then they can counter you. Or at least attempt to counter you. Yeah. Uh, so they're getting a bunch of bodyguards up with Nen because they want to just like create deterrence, basically. Yeah, Karapika wants everybody to be okay. Like He doesn't want anybody to die in this Prince Succession War. And because he knows some of the princes do have access to soldiers with Nen, he wants to get everybody else up there as well so that there's at least somewhat of an even playing field. But since he doesn't necessarily know how Nen abilities will manifest, the more he does this, the more like risk there is that someone with a really powerful one yep. will show up. So it's a cool like give and take. It's a cool strategy. And like I said, I really like the first half of this chapter. The second one kind of flew over my head like Hunter x Hunter does sometimes. Yeah. Just came off as a blood of exposition from characters I don't know. It's a lot of, like, Prince's bodyguards that I can't even tell which Prince they guard. But they're trying to figure out about the suicide, the guy who shot himself saying, Hail the First Prince. They're, like, trying to figure out why he did that. Yeah. Which even we don't know at this point, so it's just very weird that we're seeing speculation without knowing ourselves. I feel like I'm going to sound really down on this issue of Shonen Jump because there were a lot of chapters I didn't like. So I want to make it clear that I did enjoy reading this chapter of Hunter x Hunter, especially the first half of it, but then I just, like, it lost me at some point. Yeah. And I just will have to step over the bodies and hope I understand next chapter. I am getting more into Hunter x Hunter the more, like, I immerse myself with it. Yeah, it's Unlike, got... like, like, World Trigger, which just every time feels like it's trying to rebuff me. Yeah. Hunter x Hunter, especially this, has been this huge mystery thing, so... Like you said, it's kind of cool when we start getting some of the truth revealed, when we have people like explaining what they're doing. It's like, all right, this is cool. I'm seeing part of the puzzle. And then they hand you a couple more puzzle pieces and you're like, oh, yeah, there's there's still a ton more going on. And this is just it's not that I have to slog through it, but it's like I'm going to be sitting here getting more and more of the puzzle pieces until I can finally put it together. And that'll probably be really sweet. Like he's really good about doing this kind of stuff with the Nen abilities. So I'm really excited to see him explaining some of the new Nen abilities of like the people that have been learning it. I did really like the line of, I think it's Bill talking to Karapika about giving all these people Nen abilities. For some people, power corrupts. So while they might seem peaceful right now, they might become very dangerous with these new Nen abilities. Yeah. I Like I said, I really like Karapika's plan, but I also really like the risk it implies. Yeah. And how it's pretty clearly going to backfire somehow. I'm kind of guessing that somebody is going to develop this terrifying ability that everyone else is going to have to kind of team up to take down. And at first I was really concerned about the fourth prince, the guy who can see into the future. Yeah. But his ability is still extremely powerful, but it's not horrifying like some of the other Nen abilities are. There's one where this dude can summon these ghost fish that can eat you alive, but they can only exist indoors. It's kind of like the candy character from One Piece who I always think about. of Or not the candy character. The uh, one who can turn you into a toy and make everyone forget about you. Yeah. Which is like the most existentially horrifying thing I can think about. Yeah, because the horrifying thing about the ghost fish is that there's no pain. But there'll be pain as soon as like the guy who's torturing this guy opens a window. And the fish disappear. And the, like his corpse that just has huge chunks missing out of him just falls to the floor. Gotcha. But yeah. yeah, terrifying powers like that. 
And then there are simple ones like Gon, who uses rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> That's his ultimate move, rock, paper, scissors. It's awesome. It makes rock, paper, scissors really cool, but it's really funny because they, you know, Gon's like eight or something like that. So it's like, oh, it's like a kid's attack. Someone else is, uh, starts analyzing it. Well, there's actually a lot of thought put into his rock, paper, scissors attack, as stupid as it sounds <laughs> when you first hear it. All right. So speaking of stories I'm not super into, next we have Black Clover, page 181, Spatial Mage Brothers. Yes. So Finral punches his brother. Yep. <laughs> Was there anything more to that? I really don't like the fight scenes in Black Clover. I had to go through this like three times. I'm like, okay, he punched his brother. I guess he's out now. Yeah. They mentioned Finnis is this super powerful mage. Just like how Asta usually won a lot of his fights, people expect to do magic on magic combat. Almost nobody gets into physical confrontations. And so Asta has been leaking into a lot of the Black Bulls. Uh, but even Captain Yami is like this, where he's a lot more physical about his magic attacks. And that's one of the reasons why he's so good and can defeat a lot of enemies. Is when you're expecting to have a gunfight or, you know, this magic fight and somebody just takes away your guns and punches you in the face. Yeah. And you haven't taken punches in the face, you're going to be knocked out cold. You dumbass brought a gun to a me fight. I get that. But unlike the last fight with Noelle, where I at least got like the shonen tropes that were going on, and even though I hadn't seen her build up, there was some of that excitement still in me, yeah. this one just did nothing for me. Nothing at all. I get that. This one did less for me than Noelle's, but again, they'd been hinting at backstory between Finral and Finnis for a while of, oh, I'm just a, the glorified courier to... Well, he's actually advanced a lot as a person, and he's coming more into his own rather than just being this, like, carefree playboy type dude. All right, so then we're introduced to three new characters. I assume these are new characters. No, I think... They're I think new to me. They're new to you. I think a couple of them are old characters that have been taken over by elves. Okay, I assume these are elf kings just by the way they're talking, or royalty of some sort probably we don't know that much into elf culture if they even have nobility or if they were just like some of the most powerful elves but i definitely got the feeling of like nobility or something like that anyway they want to blow up all the humans so then it'll just be elves and everything will be cool yeah well because the humans betrayed them before like that's been the whole plan is to kill all the humans all right so that anything else you want to say about Black Clover, I always want to breeze over it. Because like I said, I don't enjoy it. And also, it's always a really breezy read for me, which sounds like a compliment. But yeah, this one didn't have a whole lot to it. There was a couple of action sequences. They're setting up that Yami and the Green Mantis captain are going to go fight. We're hopefully going to get more people because they've been mentioning like, hey, the other magic captain should probably be doing something. Why is it just seem like it's Yami and the Green Mantis guy? running around saving the town. So I'm hoping at this point, Asta and Yuno should show up soon. I hope so. I would like to see them do a thing. I know those guys. Yep. I watched three episodes of the anime. I know those guys. Oof. I don't know if I got made it all the way through the third. I don't remember. I honestly can't believe it's still going. Like, that's one of the few anime that I've seen that lost me after a couple episodes. It was like, I like the source material for this. I do not understand how I can't sit. I mean, I understand how I can't sit through it, but. Because it's bad. It's at like 50 episodes. Like, did they just buy the entire thing going forward? Or like, do the Japanese like it a lot more than we do for some reason? Crunchyroll was really promoting the heck out of it, but maybe Which, that helps. Crunchyroll tends to promote the heck out of anime that are doing poorly. Huh. That's the way I feel like a lot of their front page stuff are like, hey, check out this anime because it's not getting good reviews and it doesn't seem to be doing great. I don't know if that's just... It's doing well because a bunch of people are seeing it and it's getting good numbers. Or if they're trying to boost some of the lower, like, tons of people are watching My Hero Academia. You almost never see a My Hero Academia advert. And, like, every... and they disqualified it from what's the most popular anime on the site this year. Yeah. So it's something like that. Like, do you remember seeing My Hero Academia adverts? Like, I don't. I just knew it when was When season coming. three started, I did see them. But I also wasn't watching it, so... Yeah. Because that's part, season three starting is a big part of why I started watching it. Because I'm like, well, the longer I wait, the more episodes I have to catch up on. Yeah. But like, I see one of the things of, oh, check out this Jeanne d'Arc anime. And then I, I looked at it and like almost all the reviews were negative and people didn't really like it. And I'm like, oh, there's already like 
five anime that I'm watching right now. I don't need to put another one in that's just kind of mediocre. I wonder if it's advertising different things to you. Because, like, to me, it, it advertised the loop on the third season that was last season. It keeps trying to get me to watch that zombie idol show. Yeah, uh, I and saw... And then Goblin Slayer, which my understanding is it's doing pretty well. Yeah, Goblin Slayer is doing pretty well. Like I said, I just keep seeing the Jean d'Arc thing. Gotcha. I don't see too many advertisements, though, like, because... I have the subscription, so... So do I. Well, yeah. So I see, like, the top banner and what they email me. Yeah, I pretty much ignore whatever they email me. And I only see, like, the main page image will have, like, seven different things on it. I'll only see, like, the first one that they show me and then immediately go to my queue. All right, so I believe My Hero Academia was next, right? Yeah. So anything you want to say about that? I am kind of caught up on the manga. So it turns out the collected volumes only go up to about chapter 137 right now. Ah. So I'm caught up to that. I don't think I'm going to like go out of my way to catch up more until more collected volumes come out. Because I don't really want to buy 70 issues of Shonen Jump just for the My Hero Academia chapters. Yeah, that's that's a little weird. I'm also, that's a little weird that the collected volumes aren't. It's like right ahead of where the anime is right now. Yeah, that is like, a little weird. Especially with how popular it's been. You feel like they would have tried to been push the... I wonder if they're trying to release it slowly because they don't want to release like three in a month and have people not be able to afford totally possible. all three of them. Because like it's to volume 15 right now. It catches up to the anime in volume 14. Gotcha, yes. You're quite a ways behind. Yeah. Yeah, this, this chapter was pretty cool. There's uh, some cool reveals going on. The reveal wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be from last week, so it was slightly disappointing. It's not that I was disappointed. It was just like I was expecting something a little bit bigger than what I got, but it was still a good chapter. All right, so that brings us to We Never Learn, question 87, the star of Ultimate Love and the Name of X, part three. I'm done with my deep breath joke. Okay. For now. We'll see. It may return. Speaking of Crunchyroll, we're getting We Never Learn and the Promised Neverland animes soon, so... I I'm kind of excited that. for those. I haven't been paying attention to what's Promise Neverland out. starts in January. I'm not sure when We Never Learn starts, if, if it's next season or the one after. Yeah. So this storyline that I'm quite enjoying is continuing. We Never Learn's losing a little bit of its charm for me, because it's basically just harem stuff and romantic comedy stuff, but it's still pretty good at those things. Yep. So it, we start where we left off last week with the two of them hiding in a box and Fushinori like rubbing up against Yu-Gi-Oh because she finds a weird laptop and she wants to grab it. Yeah. Luckily, Math Dad gets a call and has to leave. Yeah, because he hears a noise and is going to investigate it, but then has to go. And huh. then they open the laptop and find out that it was Fumino's mother's laptop. And there's a password to the laptop that says you have one more attempt or all the... Or no, there's not yeah. a password to the laptop. There's a password to the only folder on the laptop, which is... I don't remember what the name of the file was or the name of the folder was, but when they try and open, it's like, oh, there's only one more attempt left before it deletes all of the contents. Mm -hmm. And so clearly her dad has been has tried to get at it at least a couple of times and now just leaves it alone because he doesn't want it to be deleted. Yeah. And it apparently has her mother's like important math research on it that could completely change the state of math. I honestly don't think it does. Me I've, either. But yeah, that's what the dad thinks is on there. Uh, so Yu-Gi-Oh's mom is like, oh, hey, guys, we all have to leave for a weekend. You guys have to stay here alone. Don't do anything. Ha ha. Yep. So Fumina tries to cook and is terrible at it. But Yu-Gi-Oh's like, oh, no, nah, these scrambled eggs are fine. She's like, they're supposed to be sunny side up. Yep. My only note is more romantic hijinks. So yeah, that's the classic comedy bit of the woman is actually terrible at cooking. Yeah. And like he gets a bath and she offers to like. Washes, washes back, back for him. So, you know, comedy abounds. Yep. And it ends with Yu-Gi-Oh asking her out, probably for character growth reasons rather than actual interest. Yeah, I feel like he's trying to do it to make her feel more confident in herself because she's feeling really down on herself right now. Yeah. And that was showing through the whole cooking thing of like, no, I want to cook. And he's like, probably internally going like, no, please don't let me do the <laughs> cooking. I know how to cook at least somewhat. So that brings us to The Promised Neverland, Chapter 111, Unwanted Guest. So I didn't take a lot of notes on this one, because I feel like it was a, like, a very long, extended chapter. Like, one thing happened, and it was drawing out the tension from it. That yep. sounds like more of, the, of a criticism than it is, though, because... No, yeah, 
it's not that not a whole lot happened. It was just, like you said, a very detailed one thing yeah, it's really in, happened. It's in real slow-mo. And when you do that in comics, like that just means you spend an entire comic on one thing. Yeah. So Emma finds out about Dominic and Alicia going out to try to find Lucas and I can't remember the guy whose name I liked anymore. He's dead. It doesn't matter. Wow. Now I keep wanting to say Yami and that's not right. No, it's not Yami Yugi. You know? <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, you so go, you go, you go. It. You're right, you go. So Emma and Ray and the guy who gave her the note run out to try and find them, but they went run into Andrew. Yep, who has one of the kids hostage, and is like, "Oh, you're not going to shoot me. These kids had the drop on me, but they couldn't shoot me because I'm a human and they didn't want to kill me." And then it's basically just a long stare down of Emma with a gun and whether or not she can do it. Yep. And again, I really liked this chapter. Yeah, but the tension they, was really cool. But basically, the rest of the chapter is just Emma and Andrew staring each other down. And it ends with a bang, and we don't know who shot who. Yep. Which is a pretty cool way to end it. I'm pretty sure Emma shot Andrew, but we'll see next week. Could be Andrew shot her. Could be Andrew shot one of the kids. I could honestly see Ray shooting Could Andrew. be someone else shot Andrew, yes. I could see, like, he finally made it there and shot Andrew and because Emma was still conflicted. Yeah. So I actually quite like the chapter, but yeah. it's a very tense one, but not a lot happens in it. Yeah, it's, I mean, a bunch actually happens in it, but there's not much to explain about it. It's like one of those slow mo. I mean, I've seen these in movies before of the, who's going to shoot, you know? Yeah. And in the anime, you can see this going for a while, but probably not a whole episode. Probably not, but at least a good. Like a song, at least. At least whatever tense song they put in. Yeah. Yeah. A good couple anime. of, a good couple of minutes of this, them having this stare down. All right, so anything else you wanted to say about this week's Shonen Jump? Only 10 chapters this week, which makes it feel almost breezy. Yep. I didn't like this one as much as I've liked some of the other ones, but it's not that I didn't like this week's Shonen Jump. World Trigger still hasn't grabbed me. It grabbed me, but I haven't latched on yet. Dr. Stone is kind of starting to lose me, and some of the other chapters just weren't fantastic they were just kind of good yeah like food wars and we never learn are usually like staple chapters for me i always love those and like just they both seem kind of eh this week neither was bad but yeah well they I... didn't do much for me either one of them and yeah. then hunter x hunter lost me in the second half of the chapter so there was just a lot that was kind of like eh it's not that we didn't like the shonen jump it's that other ones have been better. Yeah, and spoilers for Jump Card, I put One Piece at number one, and One Piece is like my rock, but like that's the series I knew coming in. Yeah. But I've made a point of like putting something else above it every other podcast we've done, but this week I just felt like nothing beat One Piece. And I like the reveal at the end of One Piece, but it wasn't like a super strong one. Yeah, it wasn't a super strong One Piece chapter. Even the My Hero Academia chapter, which I usually rate very high, I haven't rated it first yet although i think you did one week i might have one week there's been other stuff going on but my hair academia wasn't one of the high points i mean they can't all be the high points like it was still a good chapter i still really enjoyed it but it's not like the climax of an arc so of course it's not going to be the best thing ever let's stop beating around the bush and get to jump card Jump Card is the rating segment where we rank all the chapters in Shonen Jump from our least favorite to our most favorite. I'm going to start this week, and my bottom chapter is Black Clover, because I don't like Black Clover, and I felt like it was an extra weak chapter this week. I still just can't get into the fight scenes. They just seem too busy, and I really wish that this would like slow down and like have a talky chapter, maybe, Yeah. to set some stuff up, because it just has really lost me. Yeah. It's kind of suffering from a lot of the stuff that I feel like we're both feeling with World Trigger, where maybe if we had been reading it, we would have been a lot more invested in this kind of thing. Yeah. Because I, my bottom chapter was World Trigger. So I enjoyed Black Clover not a ton, but fairly well in this one. There was some, some decent action. There was some cool stuff going on, but it wasn't, I've rated it higher before. This is kind of a transition of, all right, so we just beat Finnis, although that that wasn't as satisfactory as it would have liked. It was still okay. 
and then we're going to go do something else. Yeah, World Trigger is my number eight, and I feel like I've made my thoughts on it known. I just can't get invested in it. But, yeah. like, with, with Black Clover, I want to like it, and that's, I think, ultimately why I put Black Clover lower, is I have more investment in Black Clover, and I got about the same amount out of each of these chapters. Yeah. A World Trigger has some cool, like, FPS stuff going on in it. Like, an FPS anime seems like it could be cool. Yeah, and maybe that's what this has been. We just missed out on a lot of this stuff. So we're coming in, like, not. it's not even the ultimate showdown. It's, like, the penultimate showdown. So, there's... But there's just, like, no tension in what they've done so far. I'm not like, oh, yeah. no, what happens if they run into each other? Because it seems like they shoot guns at each other and hide behind cover. Yeah, and nothing happens. We finally saw a power of the one guy launched a, like, claw arm thing from his arm and leapt across the building. I was like, oh, that, oh, that's all he's going to do with it? Okay. Maybe it means something more. But right now I was like, all right, so we finally get to see an actual trigger <laughs> of this guy using this weird claw thing to grapple across a building. So my number eight was Dr. Stone. It really is starting to lose me. I liked it in the beginning, and I feel like if it had ended, maybe not necessarily with the Sukasa thing, like if it had ended right now, probably would have been pretty good, but... I'm not optimistic for what's going to happen in part three. Yeah, my number seven is Dr. Stone, pretty much for all the same reasons. I'm a little more optimistic. I hope it shoots back up, but I don't really know where it's going. And I have at least curiosity for that. I think I've been more generous in general to Dr. Stone than you have. Though, I think you so. have, yeah. So my number seven was Hunter x Hunter. Like you said, I really liked the first part of it, but then the second part really kind of lost me. And I think that just knocked it down a little bit. I could honestly see me flip-flopping, so I'll jump ahead of you slightly. My number six was Black Clover, and I could maybe see myself flipping these fairly easily. I usually have a really hard time rating anyway. And so I guess I guess thinking on it, I probably would swap those. So my number seven is Black Clover, and my number six is Hunter x Hunter. All right, um, my number six is also Hunter x Hunter for okay. pretty much the same reasons. Although I could see flipping that with my number five. Which we're uh, getting confusing enough as it is, so yeah, I won't state that. But yeah, Hunter x Hunter, the first half was really cool, and I was like, okay, I'm getting into this. But then the second half really lost me, which yeah. is why it kind of fell down the list. Even though I probably enjoyed it more than a couple chapters above it, the parts I enjoyed, yeah, that was only about half of it. My number five was The Promised Neverland. This was a pretty tense chapter, and it was pretty cool, but it was one thing happening. And we didn't actually get the reveal. So it's not that I didn't like it. I just ended up putting it a little bit down because it was like, oh, yeah, of course, Andrew's still alive and he's got the kid captured. And now Emma faces this moral dilemma of does he shoot him or not? And while it is cool, I've seen it played out a lot and I do want to see how it goes. It just kind of dropped it down the list for me. So my number five was Food Wars. I really like Food Wars, but just, just kind of seemed like an eh chapter to me. Unfortunately, the more Food Wars I read, the more I can kind of see where it's going. Like, of course, Soma would fail on his first try. I didn't necessarily know why, but that just seemed like it really made sense to me. Like, that's what I expected to happen. And seeing, like, Sukasa's dish be so good it makes her naked was kind of cool. But that's also a thing I knew happened in Food Wars, so that's nothing new. Yeah. I wasn't expecting Soma to literally fail on his first try. I was expecting him to get like, all right, here's a $100 dish. And then Sukasa gets the $500 dish. And he's yeah. like, well, now I've got to beat him. Yeah. Soma has failed on essentially on his first try before, but it doesn't happen often. So it's not like something to expect of, you know, oh, I got beaten and now I'm going to get better because of it. So I wasn't expecting him to literally get negative $14 on his first attempt. That's at least a funny joke. It was it was a funny joke, and I thought it was good. My number four was Food Wars for a lot of the same stuff that I've been talking about. I did like it. We both knew it was going to happen, but her spitting out the dollar value of the meals that they're making is pretty good. I definitely liked the bit where Soma had to pay the negative $14, and Sukasa actually got paid $500 for his dish. And her explanation of why Soma failed so badly, you just put the ingredients together. You didn't add anything to the dish like a good cook actually does. Yeah. You know. All right. So my number four is we never learn. Basically, for the reasons I said earlier, it's just like it's feeling not generic to me. But the more I read of it, the more I'm like, yeah, this is what would happen in a romantic comedy with Jennifer Aston in it. Yep. This is where, for me, uh, my hero goes in, in between my number four and my number three. This was a pretty good chapter. 
But like I said, the reveal that they set up at the last chapter didn't quite happen. Not the same way I was expecting, but it wasn't as big or as cool as I thought it was going to be. So I did like it, but not a ton. My number three was never Le- We Never Learn. It was cute and funny, but it wasn't one of their better things. So top of the list because I do really enjoy We Never Learn, but not not the best thing ever. Yeah, my number three was the comic because I said I'm ready for it to be done. I did like this chapter. Yep. But it also like just seemed like the part of the story we were at now and it needed to happen. And there were some you complained about the cops before and how not calling them and how that hasn't worked out. Yep. I kind of had a thing where I'm like, this picture was under this bench for three years and like it didn't rain on it and nobody like grabbed it. The tape didn't fade. The photo is fine. Like, it's a dumb thing to complain about, which is why it's still number three, but... Yep. For whatever reason, I accepted that more as not that it had been sitting there for three years, but that Baba had somehow gotten it there. Okay, that's a possibility. Through some kind of the prison favor system, but he somehow got the picture there, not that it had been sitting there for three years, because why would he have put the picture there before the crime? And then after the crime, he was arrested. So that was my feeling, was that he had somehow gotten it there through somebody else. Gotcha. So my number two was One Piece. I really like this chapter. The reveal of Captain Kidd at the end was pretty cool. I'm excited to see who the guy eating poisonous fish is. The Luffy still managing to knock out dudes with Conqueror's Hockey even while unconscious was pretty funny. And especially Kaido going like, why are there so many people with Conqueror's Hockey? I need to get drunk again. Uh, was pretty great. Uh, so my number two is The Promised Neverland. Because while it was only one thing happening, that ending really made me want to see how the situation resolved. Which to me says the chapter did a good job of building that tension. Yeah, I can see that. I guess, like I said, I I still do want to see what was going on. It just, for whatever reason, dropped down my list. So my number one was the comic. I really liked the start of the, oh, hey, I'm going to reveal all the clues. And I've got the inspector here and Himikawa here. And it's all going down right now. Uh, My number one is One Piece, like I said. Kind of because it's my default number one and nothing beat it. Yeah. All right. So... That does it for this week's Shonen Jump segment. Hopefully next week is a better issue. I'm at least really looking forward to Promise Neverland. So, And One Piece, like always. So, Yep. With that, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will be talking about more on High School Host Club. So we're back to talk about Oren High School Host Club, Volume 1. This is kind of an oddly structured volume because it's only three chapters, but chapters of Oren High School Host Club are just much, much longer than the other series we've been reading. Yep. And then there's also like a weird side chapter after the main volume. Like it was, it honestly felt like I had somehow not bought the correct version of volume one when i first started looking at it of like why are there only three chapters and then this weird bonus side chapter that isn't how any of the other volumes that i've bought before have gone my hero academia a lot of times has a bonus side chapter yeah but normally it's not just it was the three chapters and the bonus side chapter was made me think that i had bought some weird version of volume one like not the actual version but then i got through it and realized oh it's just because the chapters are long yeah so the premise of Oren High School Host Club is there's this super, super ritzy high school that you have to be rich and of good blood to get into. But the main character, whose name I did write down, please tell me I wrote it down, Haruhi Fujioka, got in via scholarship. Haruhi? Haruhi is just wants a quiet place to study. Because everyone's mean to him because he got in via scholarship. Yeah, and everyone there is rich and snobby. Yeah, so he goes to a music room to try and like find just a room where no one will be. Yep. But that's where the Oren High School Host Club is, because this school is so ritzy, it has a student-run host club to entertain the female students. Yeah. And he breaks a vase worth more money than he can possibly imagine. Yes. So the host club decides to make him work it off. Yep. 
I think at first they were going to try and get him to like literally work it off, but then they change it around that uh, if he can serve, I think it's a hundred. If he can get a hundred customer requests, they will consider the debt canceled. But then by the end, they increase it to a thousand because he's much better at it than they expect. Well, doesn't he also, he also messes something else up as well? No, I don't think so. I thought he like, he like gets rid of one of their customers, but that's because their customer is being a jerk to him. Yeah. And like throws his wallet in a river. His entire backpack, I felt like, and yeah. his wallet was in there. And it falls out. Yep. But anyway, when the quote king of the host club, whose name is Tamaki, he's a very pretty boy. Yes. Imagine an anime pretty boy. You got it in one. Yep. Finds the wallet. He opens up and sees the ID and that he's a girl. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So the for the whole first chapter, even the reader assumes that the protagonist is male because... I, I didn't, but I also knew what the twist was. So I, How so much did you know about Orin High School Host Club going in? The name and the very basic premise of there was a host club in the high school, which is really just the name. Okay, so, I also and, knew, and the main character is a girl. Yeah, I didn't know that. So she has... She looked like a girl to me from the start, but that might just be because she, yeah, I knew. It looked like a guy to me. She's definitely in a guy's uniform. It has these really big glasses. Yep. And short hair. So that, I do sometimes have a problem with that in Japan of like, all right, are they trying to portray this guy as ambiguous or feminine or what is going on here? Definitely all the guys are drawn like girls. Yes. Except the one huge dude. Yes. Yeah. So do we want to get into some of the host club members? Yeah. That's probably the best way to do it. So there's Tamaki, who they call King. He's like, he's literally just a pretty boy. Yep. Once he finds out that Haruhi's a girl, he like develops a huge crush on her and wants her to show her feminine side. Yep. But Haruhi is like oddly just like nonplussed by the whole thing. She's just like, yeah, I don't really care about gender roles. I don't care if people think I'm a guy. Yeah. Um, it's like weirdly not robotic, but that she has no opinion on it just seemed really weird to me. It didn't seem super weird to me. It was like she has other priorities. It's the, I don't care what people think about me at all, because she shows that all the time of, like, I don't care that people think that I'm poor and my clothes are shabby. Like, I don't care what people think about me personally. I have other concerns, like trying to do well in school, because my dad is, you know, I managed to get in here, and I don't want to disappoint him. Yeah. All right, so then there's Hikaru and Kaoru. They're twins, and as far as I can tell, that's all they got going for him. Yeah, that's their hook. For the host club is that they tend to give off that they like one another. Yeah, they have a very erotically charged towards each other incesty vibe, which I understand is a fantasy, I guess. Yeah, and they use that to get the girls. So all the high school host club members have different ways of attracting customers. And so that's how the twins do it. All right. So then there is Kayoyo Otori, who's the vice president who basically runs the whole thing. He's got the glasses, tall, dark, handsome work going on. Yep, and he's very serious and stern, and that's that's what he uses. He's kind of like the perfect butler kind of feeling I got from him. Then there is Takashi, whose last name I did not write down, who's basically just a little boy, although he's actually the oldest member. Not anymore. So actually, the, the really tall guy is the oldest member during one of the like author notes, because uh, the author... You can see from his notes that he didn't have everything fleshed out when he first started this, even though this isn't his first uh, manga. So Is it written by a dude? I could have sworn it was... Oh, no, it's written by a girl. That's right. A um, female author. Yeah. So she didn't have everything fleshed out because of their astrological signs. She accidentally made the big guy older than the little guy. I can't remember any of their names because they're both in the same year. So they're both third years where everyone else is second years. But he uses the fact that he looks like a little kid and plays that up as kind of like the cuteness factor. And last is Mitsukuni, who is the big tall guy. Yep. They're often, he and the little guy are together for contrast most of the time. Usually, yeah. He's very silent and stoic. And that's, he's mostly with the little guy. I'm just going to keep calling him the little guy. That's uh, fair. As, like you said, as his contrast. And they kind of just tend to hang out together a lot. So I feel like they service clients together a lot that sounds horrible but there we go <laughs> so yeah so basically each chapter is a self-contained story i get the feeling that this was probably published monthly originally i'm not I, actually sure about that i feel like it because 
the chapters are super long, so that's kind of indicative of a monthly thing. I mean, can you imagine printing out that much in a week or in three weeks of the story? Yeah, it seems like a lot. So yeah, I agree. It probably was a monthly thing. Yeah, because I'm looking right now, and it was originally published in Lala, which is a monthly magazine. Gotcha. Like I said, it's very episodic. The second, they're actually called episodes even, and not yep. chapters. The second episode takes place during a Christmas party, and Haruhi has to learn how to dance, basically, because the host party members always dance with uh, clients, and like there's a raffle at the end yeah. to like, win dances with all the members. Yeah, and then the main raffle winner gets a kiss from the king. Yes. So they tell her if she learns how to waltz, it'll half the debt. Yep, down to 500. 5,000 at this point. Oh, no, you're right, 500. I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, it was at 1,000, so now it's 500 customer requests. We've been shown that Haruhi is actually, like, very naturally good at entertaining the women. Like, everyone mentions he's not pulling a bit. He's just very good at connecting with them because she's a girl. And none of the customers know that she is a girl. Well, because all the boys are drawn like girls anyway. Yes. So how would they be able to tell? Yep. So during the Christmas party, she is entertaining a guy and basically finds out that he has a fiance and he wants to study abroad in Europe to like become a more interesting person for his fiance. Yeah. Yeah. But his fiance feels like he doesn't like her. And so basically it's just a let's fix this romantic situation. Yep. So the host club members get together to get the two of them together. Yeah. It's not bad. There's a good bit where. She has to perform like an Archie costume change to dress up as a girl so she can dance with the guy and find out where he wants and then dress up like a guy to dance with the girl and get them together. Yep. And then there's the section where the girl walks in on the two of them <laughs> together and that's what like drives him into her arms of, yeah. no, 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 I wasn't doing anything. Like they're at a Christmas party for a host club. What a weird setup this, this series is, this, is. It's a very weird setup. And then at the end, the king gets injured or something happens right so the that haruhi has to give out the kiss yes and i don't actually remember how that resolves i think she gives whoever won the raffle a kiss all right so that brings us to episode three which is the good one yeah at least in my opinion this is all about a girl who plays some dating sim and kyoya looks like the character she likes in the dating sim yep so she decides she's going to like get engaged to him i guess her father has some pull yeah and so, so she's like a minister's daughter or something like that like he's not just rich he's also got like political power or he's like very high up in an industry so he can like you said he's got some pull so she's like hey we're gonna get married and that means i have to help you run this host club so i'm going to change the backstories of all of the hosts so they're more tragic and engaging yeah, and, just like just like my uh, dating sim game that yeah. I love. She's so like, King, you're like very pretty on the outside, but you're cold and tormented on the inside. He uh, immediately falls for that one. Yeah. So the little boy, she's like, hey, you look sweet on the outside, but actually you're like a murderer who's just got a hard exterior or who's hiding. Behind a soft exterior. Yeah. yeah. And like the big guy's like, they, he never talks, but when he does, it's super profound. Yes. So he's uh, Silent Bob. Yeah. And the twins, like, really want to distinguish each other from one another because yes. they're both basketball stars Yeah. now. And we're going to f- do a film to, like, promote the club that shows off all your characters. Also, Haruhi, you're fine. You have a tragic backstory, basically. Yep. You know, she's like, yeah, you're poor. That's a tragic backstory. So, yeah, and then it's basically her slowly realizing that, uh, no, video games are not people. Yep. Well, and then... She realizes that she actually likes Haruhi more than her favorite video game character, the vice president. Yes. Which is interesting because I don't know that she knows she's a girl. I don't think she does. At this point. But Haruhi's like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. We'll make this end. Yep. So, yeah. And then we have the bonus chapter. Yeah, which I didn't take any notes on. But it's basically just. I barely remember what happened in the bonus chapter. They spilled tea on the little boy's stuffed bunny. That's right. And they're like, oh, no, what are we going to do? Yeah, and they're like, oh, we'll replace it with a different stuffed animal. We will go have a seance to have his dead grandmother's spirit come back to remake us his bunny. And so all the host club members are freaking out. And then the big guy just shows up and is like, he just makes it look like, oh, 
the bear the bunny wanted some tea he's like oh perfect let's get him some cookies <laughs> and like that was the end of it because yeah. they were all freaked out there of how he was actually they were like he fell into that role of being like a delinquent on the inside rather too well maybe he actually is a delinquent on the inside yeah all right so final thoughts i didn't actually much care for this volume i did really like that third chapter it started yeah. to get fun and this series definitely isn't for me yeah but it's probably the least fun i've had reading a collected volume for this podcast and i feel like a part of that is the first two chapters didn't feel like they were going anywhere and the author's notes made it sound even more like that like she had she was like yeah i'm just writing a story okay the first chapter you need because it sets up the entire premise but yeah yeah. but it like the first chapter didn't lead into much of anything in the second chapter like it honestly felt like i had somehow missed the chapter like now it's a christmas party wait what Uh isn't it like july what what happened i did really like that third chapter though honestly that's like i can see why people like this series if everything after this gets like that if well, they're yeah. all that funny and the premises work that well maybe that's just what it was of it just started picking up or shoujo wasn't a huge thing for me so maybe that demographic liked it more but yeah i've been told by people that host club is pretty good so maybe it just had a, a bit of a rough start and then grew into something better like there's even some really good anime where it's like yeah the first couple episodes aren't great and then episode four bam it takes off running and you're hooked forever yeah um i'm not super excited to read more of this but i did buy an entire box set so we probably will all right you should probably stop doing that i should but it's like eh, it's all here i want it in a cool box yeah what's the worst that can happen i sell it on ebay for 20 bucks less yeah all right So that brings us to our final segment, our ranking segment, where we rank characters from best to worst personality power level. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? So this week on personality power level, we're going to put on the main character, because this list is currently entirely protagonists. Yep. Haruhi Fujioka. Like the series itself, I didn't really much care for her. Like, her total non-reaction to everything, I get what they're going for, but she's kind of the most boring character. Yeah. In the series almost by default, but I didn't even really like many of the host club members, to be honest, either. Yeah, they seemed kind of very one-dimensional. So at the bottom of our list is another protagonist who's kind of boring and not that interesting and surrounded by more interesting characters, Ichigo Kurosaki. Yep. How do we think she compares to him? Because honestly, I think Ichigo's a little better. I'm leaning that way too, yeah. I probably would put him above Haruhi. Like you said, the the non-reaction, I do get the joke that they're going for, but then they didn't fill in the other things that she felt are important. Like, she just doesn't seem to react to anything. It's like, oh, I'm just like the deadpan to bounce the comedy off of. Yeah. Which is weird to have your protagonist be that. Yeah. All right. So Hari Fujioka will go on the bottom of the list at number seven. Yep. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the episode. What are we going to read next week, Kevin? Because this is the first volume you've picked, which is going to make your tastes sound a lot stranger than they actually are. Yes. uh, It's more that I'm just a control freak who's picked everything else so far. Yeah, so I picked Kiss Him, Not Me. This was a, I think it was first recommended to me as the anime. That was very interesting. Uh, Basically, we were just trying to pick a new generation shoujo from the 2010s. And this one sprang to mind as something I at least heard about. It's about a girl obsessed with boy love and her suddenly becoming beautiful and all the pretty boys in the school wanting to be with her. But all she wants is to have them be with each other and the hijinks that ensue from that. So like Jeremy said, it makes my taste sound super weird, but that's not it's not that i was interested in this this was only one of the few shoujo manga that i actually heard of so i figured oh, it's probably a good one to start with all right so if you want to see our other episodes or the personality power level list you can check those out at www.lastpodcasts.com that also has a link to our discord under the contact page if you want to talk to us about manga or video games we technically have discussions there And if you want to recommend any manga we read, that's an excellent place to do it. Yep. I especially am not quite sure what we're going to read come at the start of the new year. I have a few ideas, but like I said, I'm a control freak, so I can fill that if I have to. 
You can also find my other two podcasts there. It's a Gundam, which is an episode-by-episode Gundam podcast, and Last Time on Video Games, which is a video game podcast I do. This week we played Brawl Brothers. It's a brawler, and that's about all there is to that. If you like the podcast, please either tell a friend and have them hear all about our bad opinions of Shonen Jump, or give us a review on iTunes. A five-star review would really help us out. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emmert. Other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions. Our excellent, excellent cover art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Anything you want to plug, Kevin? Not this week. All right. See you next week. Because it's impossible to hide gender in English. Well, that's why we just call him him like it's assumed the whole time. Okay.